Welcome to Night Cheese. This is Stephen. And I'm Tim. And I'm Jared. And thanks for joining us again for this week's episode titled Diana, Princess of Wonder. Uh, We are continuing our journey through the DC Extended Universe, uh, cinematically speaking. Um, We've already covered Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. Uh, This week we'll be... diving into patty jenkins 2017 adaptation of wonder woman um so this is a little bit of a deviation for us as it's not really that and that uh affected by Zack snyder who is kind of the common thread through all these episodes um he was a store a story writer on this film but you can really sense the difference but uh before we get into all that um we're obviously uh mentioning you know where we're going through the dc universe this month because the the snyder cut of the justice league has now been released uh well no it hasn't been released it's being released this week as we record and um hopefully next week we'll be able to give you our impressions of the snyder cut of justice league um but early reviews are coming out and uh suffice it to say they're not all that different from, I think, the initial Justice League reviews. Is that a fair thing to say? From from what I've seen, yeah, uh, it's yeah, yeah. So, I'm I'm intrigued to have the discussion. I'm still psyching myself up to um, <laughs> have a four hour sitting of Zack Snyder's vision of a film that I already had a hard time getting through in the first place. Yeah. So, <laughs> um. And that's someone who loves those characters too. <laughs> well, so well, and we'll, and uh, you know, I will just throw in you know what I sent to you guys and say I think you know your reaction to the movie is going to depend on what you're looking for. Like IGN, their reviewer was really hyped up over um, the fact that Batman drops an f bomb in the Snyder cut. He said that was rad. So know. you know. Um, don't don't write it off before you see it. Yeah, I know. I mean, usually Batman's proclivity for swear words. I mean, it's it's really it's close to the top of my list. Mm-hmm. Um, that and Superman murdering people. I mean, yeah. it's just that's what I want from from my heroes. Um, okay, not really. So um, we'll we'll say let's keep conserving that energy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, for next week. So uh, I'd like to move along. Uh, We're going to deviate before we get into Wonder Woman because it just so happens, uh, you know, life has been smiting us a little bit here and there. And um, uh, the U.S. government stole an hour from all of us uh, yesterday, uh, this week. And uh, I mean, you know, what is it not taking these days, I guess. But because of the delay in our recording schedule, we now are recording an episode post- Academy Award announcements. So um, we uh, we can actually talk about that for a minute, considering we're discussing just at its foundation better films than what we've been going over recently, and um, also some of the films that we have uh, reviewed and discussed in previous previous months uh, are coming back up again. Primarily the ones that we mentioned during uh, Black History Month. So uh, we can we can talk about those for a minute. Uh, if you guys are free to do so, that sounds great. I don't know what else you guys I, are doing. I have nowhere else to be. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you're here, so we might as well. Um, so there are see three, four, five, six. So, so there's eight best picture contenders this year. Um, so we have uh, the father, um, Mank, uh, Minari, 
Nomad, Nomad Land, Promising Young Woman, The Sound of Metal, tr- The Trial of Chicago 7, and uh, also a film that we just discussed a few weeks ago, Judas and the Black Messiah. So uh, Judas and, Bill- and the Black Messiah um, nominated for Best Picture, which is really exciting. Um, I heard today that that's actually the first – I think I'm saying this right – the first film – in Oscars history to be nominated for best picture that was produced by an all black production team. Um, and I don't know how, I don't know how broad that term production team goes, but nevertheless there, I think there's a lot of, um, that there are a lot of, um, unprecedented nominations this year. Um, do you, so Tim, you said you had, had you so so Judas and the Black Messiah is the only movie on the list I've seen so far. I've been wanting to see Minari, um, especially after watching Parasite and us discussing that last year. Um, not that they're at all related, but it, you know this sort of infusion into to Asian uh, centric film, though, kind of you know making its way before, to American audiences. And um, Stephen Yun of uh, Walking Dead fame. Uh, or infamy, depending on how you feel about how he exited the show, um, is also nominated for Best Actor for that film. So it seems to be getting a lot of attention. But um, anyway, that that looks interesting. Uh, but Tim, you you had you'd seen one of the other films on the list, right? Yeah. So the one I saw, it's actually it's actually on Hulu. So if anybody wants to watch it as well, um, Nomadland, um, mm-hmm. directed by Chloe Zhao. I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. I think that's right. Um, yeah, and I I really loved it. I I I it's funny actually at the time I do remember one quibble I had, but at this point I don't even remember what I was. Like one little thing I was like, oh, I, I didn't like this that much, but overall I was just really really impressed. It's a really beautiful, really just kind of in, intimate's a weird word, but just really focused intimate portrait of one of Frances McDormand's character who's named Fern um and her life, but um it's it's amazing. So it's she's kind of traveling. She's on no madland. She's traveling working um these kind of seasonal jobs but traveling throughout the midwest she's living out of a van basically like a like one of those kind of white almost like free candy van like those creepy could be potentially creepy plumber van you know she's -hmm. living out of it um and uh it's just kind of follows her as she kind of does this throughout you know a year or so um it's really wonderful it's mostly and also mostly made up of a cast of characters who are who aren't actually there uh, one actor um uh david strathairn Strathairn? oh yeah sorry okay i don't know if i'm saying his last name right i don't know if i'm saying anybody's last name right um so he's he's actually (laughs) kind of the only wonder woman yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh gosh yeah but the other cast everybody else are people that are actually either living this life of nomad like people that they kind of interact with along the way are people that are actually living that out so a lot of the conversations are either improvised or they're scripted but this person actually does that. And so it just has this, it, it's a different feel because of that. Um, I, I loved it. I thought it was really great. So yeah, mm-hmm. I recommend it. Sorry. That was a long winded way of saying, no. I think it's very good. I think it was worthy of a, of a nominee of a nomination. So I'm just going to jump ahead and, and let our <laughs> listeners know that we're not, we're not intending on hitting the runtime yeah. this episode that we did <laughs> on our yeah. Batman versus Superman. So we are, padding a little bit of the runtime with with other discussion because i have a a general feeling that the positives will outweigh the negatives with wonder woman tonight at least 
coming from yeah. my own perspective, which yeah. is why I'm delaying or starting there a little bit. And speaking of superhero, just real quick, one thing that's so intriguing to me is the director of Nomadland, her next, I don't know if it's her immediate next, but a next film is she, she directed the Eternals, a Marvel film. Really? And oh. they, I can't imagine two like, you know, even though obviously we haven't seen it, but I can't imagine a film being so so opposite of Nomadland. Well, it's so, so interesting. You should mention that because, and, and I don't want to say too much um, because in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about WandaVision mm-hmm. and the main director of WandaVision has got one of the weirdest resumes for someone you would expect Marvel to recruit. Like he had just come off of game of Thrones, which I think was probably his resume for like big budget stuff. But he was like a sitcom director and a kid actor. I don't know if you guys, Jared, you'd be, you're older than me. So you would be Mm -hmm. old enough to remember Tim. I'm not sure if we're going to, if you're going to be right on the cusp of this, but he was actually on the original TGIF sitcom, just the 10 of us. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He was one of the kids that show was centered around four teenage daughters, but he was actually one of the younger kids in that. And it was like a spinoff of growing pains or something like that. So all those like WandaVision cues, especially to the 80 sitcoms, like he had firsthand exposure to, um, which, and I mean, Elizabeth Olsen too, obviously, you know, with full house, but but we'll 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 talk about that in a couple of weeks. But I found that really fascinating when you uh, mentioned Chloe. You know, like how how these people like end up with Marvel when they're yeah. not. You know, yeah, I I didn't know that until I think it was either yesterday or the day before, and they were because I didn't recognize the name uh, in different articles, and then they said that he was um, one of the stars of just the ten of us, and I'm like, well. There was only like one boy in that <laughs> right. in that family in that series, so I know which one it is. Um, <laughs> I, I think there ended up being a second, like, but but it was like a baby, so he was the right. only like you know um, actor that you'd remember. But um, yeah, and so immediately when I saw him, I'm like, yeah, that's an older version of. Uh, I think Matt was the character he played in, in just the ten of us. But which I think uh, is his name. His real name is Matt. I think too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think that was the character name, but, uh, I, I could, I could be wrong on that, but, um, yeah, that was an, that was a neat connection because I did watch just the 10 of us. And it's one of those that like, not to get off my rabbit trail, but it's, it's That's like, okay. a, it's yeah. got one of those like intros that were well, just like one of those perfect eighties intros, <laughs> you know, that like you can, you can just watch the intro or listen to the intro to growing pains or perfect strangers or just the 10 of us or whatever without needing to watch the show, you know? Right. Yeah. It peaks at the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh man. Well, one thing I just wanted to say to our listeners is if you want to brush up on any of the best picture nominees that are available to see, I mean, your your mileage will vary based on what subscription services you have, but Judas and the Black Messiah is still on HBO Max right now. Um, no Man Land is on Hulu, and uh, the Sound of uh, Sound of Metal is on Amazon Prime right now, which Riz Ahmed uh, was nominated for Best Actor for that film, and is the first uh, Muslim American to be nominated for Best Actor. Um, I know we talked about Moonlight a few weeks ago, and um, Mahershala Ali was one Best Supporting Actor, but uh, this is apparently the first uh, Muslim American to be nominated for Best Actor uh, in the history of the Oscars. Um, but I hear really great things about that, and something else I heard uh, another uh, critic say today about Sound of Metal 
is uh, is, is nominated. So for, for for those who don't know, I mean, I have a very small understanding of what the film is about, but it's about a heavy metal drummer who's slowly going deaf. Um, and so, uh, apparently the film also got nominated for best sound or sound mixing or something, because I think they really, I, I'm guessing here that they play with that a little bit in the audio of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, even films like Tenet did not get a nomination for the sound category uh, this year. So it was, um, on a, kind of a perfect storm for it to be this sort of, a, I don't know if experimental is really the word, but you know, that kind of film to be out this year and get recognized. And then lastly, the trial of the Chicago seven, which, uh, is sort of a spiritual cousin kind of to Judas and the black Messiah. It's happening around the same time in history. Um, is on Netflix. So uh, Netflix, Hulu, Prime, HBO Max, uh, if you have those services, you can see each one of those films. So don't watch them all back to back because some <laughs> of this stuff is heavy material. But, uh, you know, space it out uh, and enjoy it. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to just cover categories where films we might have talked about in the past are, are covering. Um, as as predicted, Chadwick Boseman secured a posthumous nomination for Best Actor uh, for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, he will be uh, up against Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, Anthony Hopkins and Gary Oldman, and Steven Yeun uh, in uh, Minari. Um, so that's uh, that'll be interesting. I, you know, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is for those of you listening still on Netflix, uh, it's the only film I've seen out of that group. Um, but it is, um, I, I would think it's his to lose. Um, just given yeah. the intensity he brings to that. And he seems to be getting a lot of that attention through award season. And sometimes that's a forecaster of how things are going to go. Um, best actress, Viola Davis was also nominated uh, for best actress for Ma Rainey's black bottom. She becomes the first African American actress in history to have four best actress nominations. Um, so, and all well-earned man, she is not somebody to play with <laughs> whenever yeah. I see yeah. um, her in a role. It's great. And uh, also another film I'd like to see, but uh, that's on Hulu, um, the United States versus Billie Holiday. Um, Andra Day plays who plays Billie Holiday. She was also nominated for best actress as well. Uh, and Frances McDormand was nominated for no man land as well in that category. Uh, also Carrie Mulligan and Vanessa Kirby. Um, now here's a really fun category and I sent you guys a, uh, a screenshot of this today <laughs> because this is a, a, this is, this is a Royal rumble if, if there were one, um, for best supporting actor. So Sasha Baron Cohen, who got a lot of attention for his role as uh, Abby Hoffman in the trial of the Chicago seven was nominated. Uh, both Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya were nominated for best supporting actor for Judas and the black Messiah. Lakeith Stanfield has not really been getting that, um, many nominations, but he came through here as well as Leslie Odom Jr. for his role of S- as Sam Cooke in One Night in Miami. And then Paul Racy, who was in uh, sound of metal as well. So, um, between Lakeith uh, Stanfield, Daniel Kaluuya, and Leslie Odom Jr., that's and and I and I hear really good things about uh, Cohen's performance too. That's a that's an intense race uh, right there. If it were my choice, I'd go with Kaluuya, anyways. Um, although it would be hard, it's hard to overlook Lakeith Stanfield though. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Any others that we that we discussed at least um, Judas and the black Messiah was nominated for best original screenplay. 
And One Night in Miami was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Um, let's see. Anything else worth mentioning? Uh, we didn't talk about any anime. Oh, well, actually, yeah, Tim, you and I oh, did. Onward was yeah. nominated for Best Animated Feature Film, uh, as well as Over the Moon, Sean the Sheep Farmageddon, um, at Soul, and a awesome. film called Wolf Walkers. Um, I have a nagging feeling that Soul is going to win, and I did not like Soul, but um, if you haven't seen Onward, I hope you didn't miss that. That came out right at the beginning of the pandemic and just slid right onto Disney plus before people were really settling in their TV binging, um, for the year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then over the moon did not really get a lot of play through that's on Netflix as well. And as this sort of, I want to say Chinese based animated film has a really strong, diverse Chinese cast. Um, Philippa Sue from Hamilton. Uh, she voices one of the characters, Ken Jong, and and a very not aggravating and abrasive role. Um, it's a really powerful emotional story. And I think both Onward, now I could see Soul winning because Onward and Over the Moon both deal with the death of a parent and how a child kind of manages that. Um, but they still manage to tell two really different stories. Um and both of them are still really mystical about trying to connect with that person again. It's it's interesting how much those two films line up on paper, but experientially are very different. Um, but they're both amazing. And Soul, I had issues with. I thought I thought it was half of an amazing movie. I think like, like all the stuff that happened on Earth, I thought it was great. Uh, and then the after or before or sideways life. I don't know. I'm using my lost terms now. Um, we're, we're kind of strange, um, and didn't feel like it was the same movie, especially when the smoke monster shows up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like, you know, earth was like the Joss Whedon part and, and the, that eternity part was like the Zack Snyder. It, it was just, no, um, no, it wasn't like either of them. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm much more fascinated by that description. Like now, I just want to see it. So yeah, I don't think there's anything that dark. Uh, <laughs> there, there's nothing Snyder dark in that movie. Um, but there is a, um, you know, in in that movie, you know, the man like he he manages to sort of get a second chance at life, you know, and, and he's going back into his old neighborhood and stuff and the way that he interacts with people and gets to see sort of difference gets to see them through another set of eyes. And, and, um, there's this one, one scene where he goes into a barber shop that I just thought could have, that could have been the entire movie. Like the, mm -hmm. the way that scene played out oh, was man. great. Um, yeah. it was just really good. And don't get me wrong. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a great movie, but, um, could have been better. Um, anyway, yeah. but then again, speaking of great, but could have been better. I, I suppose we could get go get back into the DC films now. <laughs> um, there are a few other, you know, um, less discussed um, awards that some of the others, film, some of those films we still talked about, Judas and the Black Messiah and Ma Rainey, um, all uh, um, nominated for. Um, I will say that um let's see uh judas and the black messiah and one night in miami both uh, nominated for best original song 
so Leslie Odom Jr. nominated there, and then uh, uh, her or H E R uh, nominated for uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. So anyway, uh, some interesting award nominations there, but let's go ahead and get back to our main event here. Let's get to Wonder Woman uh, from 2017. So this is the fourth, I think, DC release at, from the beginning of this uh, DC Extended Universe. We obviously had Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. I think, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, I think Suicide Squad came out before Wonder Woman. But I'm not sure because we weren't discussing that. Um, I kind of want to Google that now that we're actually talking about it. Um, Yeah, it was 2016. Okay, okay, so the year before. So, you know, Suicide Squad is is not on our slate to talk about. Um, Yeah, it was better. I thought it was better. Do I want to say it was better than Batman v Superman? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't as good as Man of Steel, I think, you know, but it, it, it had some some pros to it and some cons to it. Um, I don't know, but anyway, go ahead, Jared. I I was just going to say, I think like, it's hard to say sometimes if it, if some things were better or if I was just less invested in it. And so I'm less critical of it because I'm less invested in it. Yeah. I think I found myself much more. Is this kind of antithesis? of um guardians of the galaxy you know it's hard not to compare those two because they came around around similar times within a year or two of each other and guardians of the galaxy um here's our first marvel reference um well we did reference wandavision earlier but um in in direct relation to a dc film uh for the (laughs) night um I had no expectations going into Guardians of the Galaxy, so I was like really blown away. If anything, I thought it was going to be done. Like I saw that on a on a plane. I was like, "Well, I'm mm-hmm. a completionist. Let me watch every Marvel movie, and this is the only one I haven't seen." Um, and just changed my my Marvel world. Like it's uh, and um, but then so I go see Suicide Squad, and I'm sitting here thinking. Someone told me, like a someone who's more comic uh, con, uh, competent than I am, said, "Oh yeah, you know, it's like theoretically this is what the movie could be about because it's all the villains are, are are broken out of jail, but they're manipulated into doing something, um, manipulated into doing this job." And I'm like, "Oh, it's kind of like the Dirty Dozen, you know, or something like that." And I was like, "That that sounds like it has potential." Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of heroes that I was familiar with. I knew who Killer Croc was because of the Batman, the animated series, and Harley Quinn, and 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 uh, didn't know Deadshot. But when you saw it was Will Smith, I was like, oh well, it's Will Smith. Who cares what the character is? Because it's gonna be Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then when we first, you know, kind of heard of Jared Leto's Joker, I was like, uh, not seeing, not seeing. I just want to say, just hearing of Jared Leto's Joker. I was like, well, this could really be something. Cause Leto is one of those actors. Mm-hmm. Like it was the same feeling I had when I heard them say Joaquin Phoenix was going to be the Joker at one point, you know, I was like, okay, these actors are for, forgive my, my lazy and dismissive descriptive terms. <laughs> these men are crazy enough <laughs> to make a convincing Joker. Right. right um, yeah. Based on some of their other roles. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's see what, let's see what happens. And then that first, promo shot came out that magazine cover with yeah. he looked like he had just broken out of a hot topic um <laughs> the damaged tattoo oh, oh man yeah gosh. yeah literally on his forehead 
just he, he, if he could have tattooed it on the nose. It right. Have been exactly. Um, but I'll say this about DC is one thing that kind of made it the sort of the inverse for me of Guardians of the Galaxy. They raised my expectations with the trailers because whoever was in charge of trailer music for that particular movie was just doing the Lord's work. Like it, it was that the first trailer had this really creepy um, female vocal of the Bee Gees song. I started a joke um, that has the whole world crying or something like that. And it was, Oh man, that was, that gave me chills. And then they did a more upbeat one to uh, ballroom blitz. Um, which was also a great, a, a great trailer. Um, then I found out that DC is really just a trailer company and not a film company. <laughs> um, again, until we get here. So, so needless to say, I've already, I'm curious how long we've been recording because we like really half an hour in. That's, this has got to be the most chauvinist thing. Oh, like, yeah. like she can, she can wait. Um, and I sat here trying to prepare myself like this is going to be such a like pro woman movie because it's so good it's the one bright spot in this whole Mm. forsaken universe you know and and she is by far the best most complete um, pure hearted character and here we are like literally talking about anything else we can Um, I think the only thing we haven't done is discuss what we've had for dinner tonight so far (laughs) um and what woman made it for us, you know, like just kind of, anyway, it's just been a train wreck. I apologize everybody. So, um, let's, let's kind of soft reboot here. Cause that's what DC likes to do. Um, <clears throat> uh, 2017 is wonder woman. Uh, like all the other DC universe, you can find it on HBO max. Uh, this was directed by Patty Jenkins. Um, the critics loved this movie. Um, the rotten tomato, uh, critic score was 93%, which is brand new territory for, for the DC universe. And the users actually liked it less. Uh, the user wow. rating gave it an 83%, a 10% drop from the critics, which is, Man. A little, I feel like there's a little bit of, um, Jared, help me find the, yeah, I was, I was going to try to think the, for the word too, or if we just want to like, I, I, I I want you to, to, to bear some of the burden on this one. So I don't, I'll just, I'll I'll just go for it here. I think maybe some societal issues would have helped influence the critical score upward slightly i mean i i love the movie i think it's by far the best dc movie and i would i would say that or i mean if i if i didn't think it was if i hated hated it i would say so but i think it got bumped up a little beyond um maybe where it should have been just because of societal reasons sure okay um conversely do you think the user rating might be lower than what it might should be due to the inverse of those societal pressures. You know, you're, you're sort of people making accusations of maybe virtue signaling or that kind of stuff. Right. Oh, I I think normally, yeah, it's always, it's always effective. You know, movies are always influenced by that now because people are reviewing them before they even come out. (laughs) Right. Um, so I, you know, I, I think, yeah, where it lands, I think, is probably 
a little bit. And I actually hadn't really thought in my head of, of where, you know, I would rate it, but you know, 83 on a scale of hundred or 8.3 out of 10, I would, I would put it above that. I would probably maybe put it in like the, you know, 8.8 range or, or something like that. So I would say so. Yeah. I am. Um, I feel comfortable with it being in the low nineties. Um, you know, I, I, when, when I think about the films that I really like, um, being even higher than that, um, I, I don't necessarily, uh, think that it is, um, that's so out of range. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I get the feeling that we're coming into this territory here in 2017 and probably before and after 2017, you know, the year of the last Jedi. Um, so, so there being, um, a lot of polarization and preemptive striking in, um, film reviewing, you know, that's, uh, that's a thing. Um, so, there are um, Wonder Woman did walk away with some awards, and and they weren't Razzies um, <laughs> this time. So so that's already got a leg up on Batman v Superman. I would like to go over some of them because uh, because quite frankly, it's really entertaining. Tim, um, one of our favorite uh, obscure awards uh, rears its head again. Um, oh man, <laughs> Jared, this may be the first time you've joined us. I think where this film sh- th- this awards show shows up it is the AARP <laughs> movies for grown-ups awards yeah i don't remember um, that yeah so uh, i think this might have come up on our greatest showman episode i think so i can't remember so the oh, AARP yeah. movies for grown-ups awards it was it won the reader's choice poll um it didn't even say that it's the reader's choice poll for best film. It just says it won the reader's choice poll. So I'm assuming that's a positive. Um, it also made the top 10 films of the year list uh, for AFI um, 2018. Although it says top 10 films of the year, I, I'm not trying to take anything away from Wonder Woman because I, I really did enjoy this film. And But uh, I think that award just refers to like a spotlighted film. They do a spotlighted film every month or every week even. I forget, but it certainly made that list. Um, let's see. Costume Design Guild. Hold on, there, there were a couple of other somewhat recognizable uh awards at one which i'm just trying to get my way to let's see it did win uh best fight at the mtv movie awards uh gal gadot versus german soldiers which i'll 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 (laughs) I'll stand to that there's a sequence in that film we'll definitely want to talk about that i think is great and she was also nominated for best hero uh, and Wonder Woman was nominated for Best Movie, but didn't didn't win uh, that year. Um, I do not have the winners this time. Sorry, um, I'm a little I'm a little behind in my preparation this week. So um, let's see. Also nominated for some Kids Choice Awards. That's great. And um, also winners of multiple Teen Choice Awards. Um, it won the Choice Movie Action category. Uh, Chris Pine and Gal Gadot both both won uh, Best Actor and Actress in the Action categories. They were apparently nominated for Choice Ship, um, <laughs> but did not win that category. So they both won individually, but there was a better ship uh, that year. Well, so, but, but does it include their couple's name? Because it doesn't. 
from what I can tell, let's see. You know what? You've got me curious now. So let's find, let's find out what the choice ship was for the 2017 Teen Choice Awards. Uh, wow, Wonder Woman beat Logan. Okay, whatever. It's fine. It's not what this is about. Anyway, Logan was fantastic. <laughs> um, let's see. Where are you, ship? They have a lot of categories. That team. Uh, they they lost to Emma Watson and Dan Stevens for the live action Beauty and the Beast. Uh, I mean, uh, you can't can't win against Beauty and the Beast. So, well, what, what are you going to do? <laughs> they were also up against Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez for the, <laughs> the fate of the Furious. Um, oh, Chris God. Pratt and Zoe Saldana for Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Mm. Um, Dwayne Johnson and Zac Efron from Baywatch. That that movie's a lot okay. different than I remember that show being. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So, nevertheless. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, Wonder Woman. Uh, so, let me see. I just wanted to check a little bit more. Uh, made a lot more money than, you know, uh, I think than was expected. Um, which is interesting because, um, because of uh, Gal Gadot's um, ethnicity, her you know, her roots, um, with, um, being in, and her, and her history, uh, and work and, uh, being in, enlisted in the Israeli army and stuff. There were actually a few countries that banned this film due to the, um, cultural tensions, uh, between the Israelis and, and Palestinians. Um, and so there were, Arab, there were Arab countries that, that banned the film, um, which is a real controversy, uh, not to be confused with the, stupid controversy of men who got mad at the Alamo draft house for hosting women only screenings of, of wonder woman, um, which also happened. Um, which, I mean, if you've never been to an Alamo draft house, they do theme showings all the time. And I just, you know, while I'm looking for the box office information, if you guys want to wax on that for a second, I, what, why would somebody be mad about that? Like, like it's it's not it's not as if every screening is being limited to women only, and it's not even multiple theater. One theater chain mm-hmm. decided to do something like that for a film that was gender specific to it. Like I don't know thoughts, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly, Stephen, they're trying to cancel men. Yeah. <laughs> That was going to be my first reaction. Yeah. And it's, it's an atrocity. And, um, I just, I don't know how we're ever going to come back from this, you know? Well, we haven't obviously because she has supplanted herself as the de facto leader of the justice league. Now it's just part of the, <laughs> part of the takeover. Um, Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, um, you know, Wonder Woman grossed $412.6 million uh, in the U.S. and Canada and $409.3 million in other territories for a worldwide total of $821.8 million. Uh, estimates for the number film needed to surpass internationally to cover its production and promotion costs uh, and break even ranged from 300 to $460 uh, million. So they have a net profit of over $250 million, so making it the sixth most profitable release of 2017. Um, so to actually, uh, honestly, to do that well, um, 
is pretty impressive considering how much the um, the budget was uh, in, in regards to that. Let me see. I am just trying to find our highest grossing films of the year because I know it was the third highest um, <clears throat> the, the third highest grossing film of 2017. Um, by the way, beating three Marvel movies. Um, at four, if you count Logan now retroactively, um, but it only lost out to the last star Wars, the last Jedi, um, and, uh, the live action beauty and the beast remake that we, that we discussed a minute ago, but, uh, beat out guardians of the galaxy Two, Spider-Man homecoming, um, it chapter one, uh, Thor Ragnarok, which never mind, but uh, I just watched that again today. Uh, love that movie yeah um despicable me three logan and the fate of furious um so um i'm huh you know what no okay i was just about to say i'm really surprised that it out that that guardians outgross spider-man and uh thor ragnarok um but now that i remember thor ragnarok came out in like november so some of its money was probably attributed to the next year anyway um yeah so wonder woman uh was released in june it was it held number one for uh two weeks at the box office it's uh unseated the uh probably like the fifth or sixth pirates of the caribbean movie i don't i lost track of those dead men tell no tales uh and it was unseated by the underrated in my opinion cars three um so spent two weeks at number one. So um, there's all your uh, logistics uh, down for Wonder Woman. So uh, do you guys have any stories or initial impressions or even like how long did it take you to see the movie? Like where where were you on on this uh, this DC release? Tim. OK, yeah, I, I was ca- I would say cautiously optimistic, but I don't know how opt- I mean. I'm trying to remember where my mind was because, you know, Man of Steel, not too bad. And then and then I think after Man of Steel, like, you know, Batman versus Superman, Suicide Squad, there's a lot of just like problem movies. <laughs> and so <laughs> in the DC universe, and so that kind of got me nervous. And then um this is this you guys may know this, you may not, but um before Patty Jenkins signed on to direct, um, I was really excited about this. Um a really great TV director, uh, Michelle McLaren, was uh, kind of signed. That was going to be her first film direct, you know, directing role. She did a lot of Breaking Bad episodes. She helped produce a lot of Breaking Bad and direct like eleven or somewhere, you know, double digit episodes. Um, she did, you know, some other other uh, great TV shows as well. Um, X Files she produced, I think. Uh, anyways, she I just I just loved Mr. McLaren and was excited to hear that she had been signed on to direct, but she left because of you know quote unquote creative differences, and not not that I didn't like Patty Jenkins, but that just kind of also made me nervous. I was like, oh no, I really like I like her eye, I like the way she you know her storytelling ability. If she's leaving, something must be wrong. So there was a few things that just kind of made me really nervous. Um, but with the trailers, those were encouraging. And then finally the film, you know, we saw in theaters, I realized I was, I didn't need to worry at all. It was fantastic. So I really, I really enjoyed Wonder Woman so much. I think it's, it's fantastic. Even, you know, outside of the DC world. Um, I just, I really loved it all around. 
Uh, Jared, what was your <clears throat> initial feelings on it? Um, I can't, I was trying to remember if I saw this in theaters or not, and I'm not sure. I can't remember if I saw it in the theater or if I just waited for it to come out on video because at that point, um, yeah, we were through just, um, Batman V Superman and Suicide Squad. And, um, so at that, at that point I'm like, eh, well, this is not trending in a, in a good direction here with DC. Uh, but I don't know because I, within Batman v Superman, Wonder Woman was my favorite part of it. Um, so I don't remember if I saw it in theaters or not. I think part of it too was then seeing the, you know, the critic scores and not really being, I mean, it's a, it's hard to know what to make out of critic scores ever. Um, because just certain things don't land with them or whatever, but my fear was, you know, just kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier was, um, you know, at, at, at the time this came out, I was afraid there was going to be this pressure to just give it favorable reviews. Otherwise, um, you know, they would risk social media backlash as critics would risk social media backlash for being anti-women or, or, or whatever. I mean, those those things just play a role in in today's online world where these people have Twitter accounts and, um, can just get wrecked by, um, one side or the other, uh, because cancel culture, despite what you may hear, uh, exists on, um, both sides and, (laughs) (laughs) and, and the one side that likes to say that it's on the other side might be, uh, outpacing the, uh, the other one and and may have been doing that for decades what was it <clears throat> bane said tim you you, <laughs> you merely adopted the cancer culture i was, I was born, born. <laughs> yes Folded by oh yes. man <laughs> exactly so i canceled disney world in 1992 <laughs> you're right that's, that's no joke um oh. so so it's always it's you know, used to, I always felt like you could sort of get an idea from critics reviews and fan reviews. And at some point it feels like that's kind of gone out the window because critics may have to go one way and then fans may go the other way for irrational reasons. Um, so I, I don't remember, I I can't remember if I saw it in the theater or not. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, that was kind of go- going into it. I just really had no idea. I think I think ultimately by the time I ended up seeing it, the the idea was like, okay, it's pretty good, but has it drags maybe towards the end a little bit. Uh, I think is what I remember hearing. But um, yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to remember because now that I'm looking about when I saw it. I know, I know I, I want to just say, I'm absolutely sure that I saw it in the theater, but I want to go back to this summer because I, um, this, this was the year that my wife and I, uh, went to Uganda to go get our oldest kids and began a year of being apart. And, um, I, 
Let's see. I'm just looking at the release dates here because one thing that was special to me was for Father's Day that year, my my family surprised me by taking me to a theater for like the whole day. And we had seen Cars 3 and Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So I'm trying to figure out when we would have seen Wonder Woman. I think we must have just seen it maybe the week before or something or early June. Or, you know what? Mm, I'm seeing the date here. It debuted the day after my daughter's birthday. Cause I, so I have a feeling we might've seen it that weekend as part of her birthday, because um, this was one of the first lessons I learned about uh, film representation, especially, um, especially with heroes. Um, by the way, for what it's worth, one more accolade for Wonder Woman in terms of its uh, box office. It broke the record set by Fifty Shades of Grey um, to be the highest weekend debut for a female-directed film. So, um, and um, before I get deeper into this, Tim, you're you know mentioning, but when you were talking about Chloe Zhao earlier, I was thinking, I, I want to say Patty Jenkins had not done this kind of thing much either and i was looking and she had done a series she had a kind of a weird resume that i was surprised to see landed landed her wonder woman um because she um she had done the um uh what's her name the charlize theron film monster Mm, yeah um and the, um a short-lived series that you can i think still find on netflix called the killing um, yeah, I, I, I watched. Oh, I forgot about that. I watched yeah. the killing. Yeah. So that was her as nice. well. Okay. And um, but she also, uh, strangely enough, Marvel got the Russos out of this show. But she did an episode of Arrested Development. Um, wow. She directed the the second in the second season. She directed the episode where they build the frame of the house. Um, you know, the two weeks. Um, anyway, that was her her episode. Um, so anyway, uh, she's wonder woman. I don't know how that fits into that. So it's interesting that they would, that she would, she would get that, uh, that gig here. But, um, I remember seeing my daughter be so like into this movie and she's into lots of movies. Like, I mean, she just, she loves to watch stuff. And, um, you know, I, Jared's right. You know, you get a lot of this sort of, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but you know, the, a lot of these, these volleys, these, these bullets from, from the, from the left side and right side of things when people want to politicize the importance of a film or just something that you don't see a lot of. Um, and there are people who were rightfully excited about it because they don't see a lot of it. And if they do see some of it, maybe they don't see it done very well. And so, you know, it's the moment you get to see excellence in your representation. Um, and, uh, maybe one day we can have a deeper discussion on that if we inevitably hit the MCU and get to Black Panther uh, for sure. Um, but but you because this film does have a few shortcomings, and I was kind of disappointed in the final uh, battle sequences. Um, but but it built up so well, it built up such equity going into that point that yeah. that I was really forgiving of it to be honest. Oh, totally. um, and, uh, and, uh, I don't know, like I, 
there's something warms my heart about being proven wrong by a casting decision. Mm. Uh, one of the a few things make me happier than going in and seeing Heath Ledger play the Joker or Ben Affleck play Batman. Well, the the better parts of those movies, anyway. Uh, well, when he's playing him, or uh, Gal Gadot playing playing Wonder Woman. Like I remember, there was a lot of I think you know unfair criticism about her casting as well. And now that I think about it, even going all the way back to Hugh Jackman being cast as Wolverine, there were people who didn't didn't yeah. like that oh, casting. Yeah. Um, saying you know he's he's too tall or whatever. Um, and. You know, um, I had seen her. I think Gogadot was in one of the Fast and Furious movies as yeah. the, the beautiful woman who gets into a fight by the end of the movie. Well, I'm sorry, was, you're, you're going to have to be more specific than that <laughs> when you're talking about Fast and Furious yeah, movies. Right, yeah. <laughs> you, you have like three choices to be a woman in the Fast and Furious universe. You, you are the half-naked establishment shot before the scene starts. Yeah. The beautiful woman who gets into a fight yeah. with the real Fast and Furious female star, or Michelle Rodriguez. I think. Before um, before they stop doing the random car race in the middle of the film to like remind you of how it all started, that mm-hmm. woman that would hold the flag up and like you know, the flag throw holder, it down. right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so she didn't really get to flex her uh, dramatic muscles in those in that franchise, um, by far. But um, she really does a lot. I mean, you know, we we said last week she was. Probably the best, definitely the best hero in Batman versus Superman came out the cleanest uh, with everything. Um, best performance there all around. Um, and with her, uh, one interesting piece of trivia I read is that she was ready to uh, quit acting before she got the Wonder Woman audition. Like, yeah. what? Um, auditioning for wonder woman was going to, cause she was taking like 15 hour flights from Israel to LA and stuff. Um, you know, going through the, the LA process. And it's interesting how I've heard like her and John Krasinski too, were both like before they had their like career defining roles. We're both like, all right, well I'll try this last one, but if it doesn't work out, then I'm done. And yeah. John Krasinski ends up on the office and Gaga ends up being wonder woman. And, and they're like, okay, well, I'm glad I did that. Yeah. You've seen, I've seen that story so many times. It makes you wonder like how many great actors never came to be because, you know, they, they had that same mindset and it's such a, you know, there's no, you know, logical path to success in, in that industry. There's no standard traditional or logical path. It's, it's just a a mixture of so many different things and luck and timing and everything else. I mean, you, you have to have talent a lot of times at least. Um, but there's so many other things that makes you wonder like, you know, who we missed out on because they eventually just gave it up. Yeah. I know. Right. So, I mean, we, you know, as, as film fans would be thankful that, that she didn't, um, uh, she has, ah, it's hard to put into words, but she has such a charm in this role. I think charm is one of the reoccurring feelings I, I feel about this movie. Um, mm-hmm. and one, I just love the, um, the excellence, the like the establishment of Themyscira as a place, you know, uh, in the beginning and how um, 
plenty of jokes to be made here. But I was about to say how well functioning it is. Well, like, of course, because there's no men there, right? You know, but um, which may be true. Who knows? But but nevertheless, um, I like how there's so many examples of um, of excellence being portrayed in that world on its own terms. Like it, it doesn't even need, it's, it's not even, you know, a lesser film I think would be, and, and, and you just get like winking moments of it later in the film. I'm trying to think with like no man's land and stuff like that. Like Diana's supremacy over the people that, that she is next to is never really at the cost of their humiliation. Like yeah. she's always just being true to her own excellence, you know? And it's, it's this sort of like, I'm just going to be the best version of myself and, and I'm going to be, and I'm going to do things to the best of my ability, regardless of who I'm around. And so sometimes that puts her in weird situations. Sometimes that puts her in conflict with, with people. And sometimes that exposes her to some ugly truths, but, um, they straight up. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying this with, with, pure evidence and like I'm, I'm saying some sort of undeniable truth but they straight up took my expectations for what I wanted for Superman and gave it all to Wonder Woman yeah like like the way she interacts with innocent and guilty people um, the way that she almost the way that she kind of encounters the world that's unfamiliar to her um, and and yet still a little bit of of confidence in what she does know about herself and stuff were all things I would kind of attributed to Superman. Um, and they just, they went a different way with Superman. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also look, Diana, Diana had better, uh, parental figures in her life. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't telling her, well, just let them die. Um, so anyway, yeah. Uh, I just uh, do you guys have any 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 feedback or, or thoughts about that? At least, you know, like the Themyscira portion, the first kind of fourth or third of the film. Um, yeah, well, I was just going to say I I watching it most recently this time uh, to to review it on here. I had that same thought. Like, I don't I don't think it really occurred to me the first time through. Um, but this time around, I did get that same vibe as you is like, this has some of the elements of Superman that I would have wanted to see. So yeah, I, I completely agree on that. Um, one thing I really like about Themyscira versus say Krypton, both of those places give you the idea to be inhabited by superior beings, but there is a simplicity and a primitive nature to Themyscira that will get it in trouble when it gets exposed to warring nations, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, but you know, you, but you just know though, that, um, that in a fair fight, you know, no one could do anything to an Amazon, you know? Right. Um, and so you kind of get that idea. So I don't, I, so, you know, inevitably when Steve Trevor shows up and the Germans show up to, um, well, chase him and, and end up in that battle that they, um, that you, you get the feeling that even though they end up being outmatched because of, you know, guns and that kind of ammunition, I never once think to myself, um, 
oh, they're, they're outmatched. It's more just like it's not a fair fight. Yeah. You know, um, is all I get. Yeah. So that, yeah. Let's go ahead, Tim. I'm oh, sorry. No, I was going to say that was a, I, I was really t- taken up. Like, I was really surprised, but also I really liked the, that kind of very, that, that reminder of like individual loss of, I don't know the, the significance of that. Like, you mentioned that out of that being, you know, outmatched like that first shot that happens you see you know the bullet that you slow-mo but it's more just to like show the impact of like one bullet and hitting that one person and killing that um the woman who is swinging um something about that just kind of taking you out of like this scene that is going to turn into just like you know this mass fight but kind of reminding you of the like individual implications and like the I, i don't know i just i really that kind of initial shock of it i i just i really I like that they did that. Yeah. And um, I think I joked to you guys earlier in the week when I was watching it that uh, um, Patty Jenkins out Snyder, Zack Snyder uh, in that sequence, because Zack Snyder loves him some like slow motion, then fast motion uh, action and stuff. And that fight sequence on the beach was amazing. And I feel like like with Snyder, it's like he, he likes slow motion to like. do slow motion there i love it showed almost like the prowess of like how much was happening in a quick span of time like it was like almost purpose yeah it felt like it was there for a reason instead of snyder's like i'm gonna kick this person in slow mode i don't know it just you know (laughs) i'm gonna you see how slowly they leave their feet yeah It, it reminds me of there's a steven seagal movie and this is one of the old like after he's gotten a little bit older where they do slow mo of him sitting down in a chair (laughs) <laughs> i mean i'm literally not i'm not exaggerating that That's the man really goes and sits in a chair and they do slow-mo with That's it fantastic. i want to find that clip yeah, i'm sure that's on the internet yeah yeah now i need to see that um there is uh, you talking about that the the intentionality with that sort of slow motion yeah. uh passenger stuff when i think one of the great things yeah is 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 showing off their their battle acumen in that scene. And and one of my favorite shots is, you know, the soldiers, which by the way, pause for a second, princess buttercup now becoming this hardcore battle general is like really full circle. You know, we we talked about princess bride last year and we, we were a little harsh with, with the necessity of buttercup as a character and stuff with, with what she did and didn't do. And, and she, she got her on screen redemption for real. Um, and, and her role is, uh, I think it was Antiope. I get her and the queen's name mixed, uh, mixed up from time to time. I think it's Antiope, the, uh, the general of the army. And, um, but they come charging onto the beach on horseback against all these, you know, German soldiers who are armed with rifles and stuff. And one of them, I don't know who digs their spear into the sand and it creates this cloud of dust. So none of the soldiers can see. And then they start you know, getting real stabby, stabby, close, close range, which is perfect. Cause you're sitting here thinking like, you know, how are you, um, wh- one of the reasons, cause, cause comic, uh, comic history wise, uh, wonder woman and her story with Steve Trevor originates in world war two, not world war one. And they had talked about wanting to, um, use world war one as a backdrop for this film uh one because it's not done very often in film and two this was really kind of at the turn of warfare becoming and they even have a few lines about it um the turn of warfare becoming about killing people you can't see 
um, because of, you know, long range weapons and, and stuff like that. And so less being able to see the eyes of your enemy, you know, um, when you kill them. And um, we know that the Amazonians are well-equipped hand-to-hand combat, you know, uh, soldiers. And so, you know, they, they uh, take advantage of the environment to make it conducive to their fighting style. And it was just really, really cool sequence yeah. there. Um, but also not to be lost there, too, is it's a really riveting moment for Diana as a character to see death firsthand mm-hmm. you assume for the first time in her life like she it's got to be hard because she must feel invincible for mm-hmm. her whole life even though she's a bit immature at this point in her relative youth i don't actually know how old she really is because amazonians and stuff but but um but she's definitely younger than the rest of them um and so she's got this she's got this naivety in the movie mm-hmm. too, you know, um, she, she's, she's very much an idealist, um, in the best way, yeah. uh, I think. Um, but also she just doesn't understand. And that is one of the things that I really love that this film does. Um, you know, I, I griped a minute ago that like all the things I wanted Superman to be, they showed in wonder woman and, 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 and the thing the most is the way that you write conflict and show conflict for basically an invincible hero is to just give them more than they can handle. Like logistically Superman or wonder woman or whoever that is like them, they can't save everybody at the Mm -hmm. same time. Eventually you have to get them down to choices. Um, and she is not battle tested or battle hardened enough immediately anyways to recognize that that's something that she has to do if she's going to survive. And so it's a really I think the film does a really good job in show exposing her to that without her losing what's special about her, what's what's good about her, you know, because you could easily show her all that and then in the next movie or even at the end of this movie turn her into the Henry Cavill Superman and be mm-hmm. you know I'm sad about saving people or something um like in Batman be Superman um but but she never gives up on that um and, and so I I, I really I, I really like how they um how they how they expose that in, in the story and and how, you know, all these other guys, it seems like they're just kind of fortune hunters in, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you kind of start to see it's a coping mechanism for all of them, too. You get it's it's not as effective as a Saving Private Ryan uh, sequence, but you get that taste of, well, none of us want to be here, Diana. Like, you know, none of us chose war. None of us wanted to be soldiers. Like we're all different people back home, you know, um, but we are doing what we can here to get it done. So we don't have to be here anymore. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, 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 it's <laughs> Patty Jenkins should have started at man of steel. I think, <laughs> well, it, you know, and, and they, and the funny thing is, you know, they show, they, they give Diana that crisis of trying to figure out whether or not humanity's worth saving but at the end of the movie and and they they bring it up 
and resolve it within what 20 minutes maybe if if yeah. that you don't need to spend two full movies yeah <clears throat> man of steel that might be superman <laughs> <laughs> yeah dragging this out having this character rehash this over and over so uh, again yeah just just one more way in which they you know they show that that can be done without having to, you know, do it for that long. Yeah. It is pretty amazing how um, secure she is in herself as a person after one movie and then just deals with, you know, I will say this, you know, I don't know that we'll ever, I don't know if we'll ever talk about Wonder Woman 84 and some really good things. Some things were okay. Um, if you asked me if I liked this one or Wonder Woman 84 better, I think I liked the first one better, but, but, her conflict in that movie is a natural, you know, her internal conflict in that movie is, is a logical, um, thing that she has to wrestle with, which is, mm-hmm. does she have the chance to regain what she's lost and what would that cost her? You know, I mean, uh, that's pretty much all that is for her. Um, the other parts of that plot, maybe for another episode one day. Um, yeah. So we have Steve Trevor, played by Chris Pine, which, you know, he's just a charming man, isn't he? (laughs) I mean, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to have to look at his resume to see if he's ever played like a real jerk, you know, and if he, (laughs) and could he get away with it? I I, I don't know. I don't know if he's that good of an actor. He's just, um, because, you know, he was Captain Kirk. He's probably, and, and, and I mean, it's easy for me to not really care too much for, I'm sorry for any Star Trek fans we might have. I, I'm, I'm not a huge Star Trek aficionado, but I can get away with not caring that much about William Shatner's Kirk. But Pine is just so stinking likable. Yeah, yeah. Um, he is the prime, if you if you will, uh, the prime Peter Parker in in Into the Spider Verse. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, like he's. Um, Trying to think of other things. I'm just I'm just scrolling really quick. If you guys haven't this. seen this, I I think it was on this. I don't know, remember where it was. Um, you guys may have seen it. Hell or High Water. If you guys have seen, I have yes. heard of this. Uh, ben yes. Foster's in it. Um, uh, I love Bridges. Ben uh, oh my gosh, first name is leaving me. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Bridges. Bridges. Oh my gosh, can't. Mm-hmm. Man, that was a that was a great movie. Anyways, yeah, he, he was great. He, in that one. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Anyway. And felt different too, because I feel like I'd seen it mostly in like either like you know this superhero film or like mm-hmm. Star Trek, you know, big kind of like blockbustery, you know, actiony. And that one mm-hmm. just felt it was different. It was it was a great role. Well, those two, I could yeah. like those two could have some sort of you know NBC This Is Us style drama <laughs> comedy show. I I would watch it every week uh that's those two on screen together is 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 a it's it's a rare kind of charisma and i don't know if it's just because you know they're both conventionally good looking or or whatever it is but like um it's really i don't know they get along so well on screen and they just have a lot of chemistry together and um and that plays through um really well especially when each one of them is in you know, the other sort of domain. Like, so, you know, um, she rescues, uh, uh, Pine's character in the, in the beginning and, and they hold him captive with the lasso, you know, the, the lasso truth. And 
I, I love that scene where like, you know, so Chris Pine's character is a spy, you know, for mm-hmm. the U S army. And he's obviously a well-trained spy not to give up his secrets. And he seems so aghast that whatever this thing is, is forcing <laughs> him to tell the truth. Like he's, he's so surprised that he's admitting things and he's like, what, <laughs> what is happening here? Um, and it's just, yeah. Anyway. And then on the, on the flip side, when he's trying to, you know, he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders because he realizes the gravity of the Great War. And Diana, when she first comes to London with him, it kind of, this feels like I'm going to cheapen it a little bit. And I don't mean it like this, but I did get this vibe all, only with more gravity. It felt like when Will Ferrell gets to New York and Elf, oh. <laughs> um, and he's just amazed at everything he sees, you know? Yeah. Um, and she's yeah. just like, oh, look, a baby. And I'm yeah. sitting here thinking, I'm like, how many babies do they ever see in Themyscira? You know, like, and, right. and stuff like that. And she's just like amazed and, and, and just, oh, man, her fish out of water routine yeah. is just mm-hmm. so, so good. Um, yeah. And, and, and the logical questions that she comes up with in front of, uh, oh man, I can't remember her name, but Chris Pine's secretary. I remember her because in the, in the British version of the office, she was, uh, forgive, forgive my American, American centrism or whatever. Lucy Davis. That was the actress's name. She, she was the, the Pam of the uh, British office. Um, uh, anyway, uh, Lucy Davis, but when she's just like, uh, she's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm his secretary. You know, he just tells me what to do. And I do it. She's like, well, I come from that. We call that slavery. And she's like, oh, I like her. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so sure. Her whole, uh, ah, man, just, just their, their time together is so, so good. Yeah. I, I would say like, I can't even, you know, for all the things that we, the situations that we bring up of, of, you know, dogging on the DC universe and saying, well, this is how Marvel did it better. Um, another of which we could also say, we could also comp Wonder Woman 2 to WandaVision in terms of um, getting back what you had lost. And, you know, yeah. and, and what, so, but that's not where I was actually going with that. Sure. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I was, I was We're actually judging gonna, the first movie here. Right. <laughs> yeah, first. But what I was actually going to say was the one, um, the one area I can think of that I would give DC top billing on is I don't think Marvel has a relationship that I enjoy the on-screen chemistry as much as uh, Diana and Trevor. I think, I think I enjoy theirs more than any other set of characters, even, even in the MCU. I'm thinking I'm inclined to agree with you immediately, but I am just trying to go because you know what? I think all of the emotional um, heart and weight that the MCU gives relationships, it doesn't devote to romantic relationships. Right. Um, You know, I care more about when I think about relationships in the MCU, I think about like mm-hmm. Steve and Bucky or Thor mm-hmm. and Loki or yeah. even right. Tony and Steve or yeah. Rocket and Groot. Right. Like, I mean, just, you know, yeah. it's really is more camaraderie and, yeah. and friendships. It's not really, I mean, it is love, but, but yeah. it's a different, different kind of love. Right. Um, right. so yeah, like, I mean, I, I do think of the romances that they have and, and I, 
I could do without any of them. I think I don't think any of them are bad, but if they went missing, WandaVision being the exception, yeah, of right. course, because that's a brand new development and they just spent all this time fleshing that out. Um, but prior to that, I, you know, if it wasn't a part of it, there's so much weight and other relationships to 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 pull mm-hmm. from. You don't really mm-hmm. feel like you're missing that. So this yeah. is needed, um, which is a shame that yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much gone, you know, right. and, and after this movie, which just seems like a real DC move. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so um, they are, you know, trying to get to um, – they're, they're trying to get to the front lines of the war – to stop, uh, stop this general. So, so if you've never seen Wonder Woman, I don't think it's really going to disrupt anything for you, for us to spoil anything because it's the kind of movie that even if we tell you everything that happens, if you see it for yourself, you'll get the same enjoyment as if you didn't know. In my opinion, I don't know, I don't know as far as that goes, but um, <clears throat> obviously, so you know, back on Themyscira, Diana saves Steve Trevor's life. His his plane crashes in the ocean right in front of their island, which has been hidden from all of mankind. Um, and she has been told this story her whole life about Ares, the god of war, basically corrupting the hearts of mankind um, and causing them to hate each other and to and to wage war with each other. Um, throughout all the time. And, and so the idea is that if you could kill Ares, you would stop all evil in the world um, or at least stop all war. Um, and, um, and of course, which again, I think is a great idea to set this movie in the backdrop of world war one, because they called this war, the great war, yeah. um, you know, the war to end all wars and all this stuff. And so, you know, when Steve confesses this, when he is also, you know, tied up with the lasso, so they know he's telling the truth. Um, you know, she immediately is like, well, this sounds exactly like Aries. This is what all you guys have raised me telling mm, me. And they're like, yeah. no, Diana, you can't do it, you know, whatever. And so she sneaks out with him to um, to leave and um, to take on, to tr- track down Aries and kill him and stop the war. Um, as she is progressing through this journey, though, she's starting to learn about the world as it is mm-hmm. by being exposed to things. And... Um, I think is the focal point, whether they wanted it to be or not. I think they did, but the real tent pole of this movie is the no man's land sequence. And so like she, um, I always thought of it just at the sort of climax of that scene and not really thought about the bigger picture or the context leading up to that moment. But, you know, she has, she has now joined up with, um, Steven, these, these guys he's recruited who all seem like, <laughs> Um, maybe not the top of the shelf. And ter- th- this is not the Tom Hanks Saving Private Ryan crew. Um, you know, in terms <laughs> of uh, military uh, prowess. Um, you know, you got you know, this drunken Scotsman who can't shoot. Um, th- this one guy who also I think is no good, but he he'd rather be an actor than a fighter. And and um and so they're all just kind of traipsing along trying to get to where they're going and um uh um chris pine's character is is trying to um they're trying to stop this uh dr maru who is these two well you have these two characters this one german general 
Ludendorff and his sort of right hand woman, who's Dr. Maru, they call her Dr. Poison, who is it's this it's um, set behind the backdrop of the invention of mustard gas uh, as a weapon. And you see um, this being sort of the game changer for the war. And and it's it's uh, Chris Pine's character as a discovery of that secret that they're developing this weapon knows that it will turn the tide of the war and they'll they'll lose. And so they're trying to stop this from happening. And in his spy work, he discovers the plans for it. And now they're trying to go back and, and uh, destroy everything. Well, in this path, they go to the front line of the war because what Diana just tells him, take me to the war, <laughs> which is the only <laughs> instruction she knows to give. <laughs> so they go to the front line and, in this sequence, they're coming out and they're you know walking as a group, and she sees this horse that has fallen down in this um, wagon that's tipped over, and the owners of the horse are beating the horse, trying to get it out because they're right up on the front lines. So it's a incredibly dangerous place to be, and she's already calling to them like, "Hey, we need to help them so they can go." And it's like, and he's like, "Diana, like." We, we have to keep moving um, or else we're never going to get to where we're going. And then she sees another sh- soldier who's been shot or hit with a mortar. I'm not sure, but something bad. And he's just screaming out in agony and she wants to help him too. And he tells her no. And she's like, you just can't, he, he said, you, you just can't help everybody. I'm sorry. Like, and, and I, and I give it credit. There's gotta be a thin line in act in acting to communicate this sort of need of urgency while still sounding sympathetic to the fact that he knows she really does want to help them. And, and Pine's delivery in this sequence is really good. Like he, I don't know this this time watching it, I got from him. He's like, listen, if, if it was, if it was doable, like if it was possible to help all these people, I would help you. But I already know that we can't, so we can't waste any time. And part of that is he doesn't understand what she's capable of <laughs> yet. He's about to find out. Um, and and also, I think he probably can only handle so much hurt himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all those guys uh, can't. And and uh, and and there is there is a lot of humanity in his character and, and all of them, all those guys, um, it doesn't get dug into too deeply, but you see, you know, shadows of it, um, as it's going around. And finally they, um, she sees a mother and a child who were suffering, who stop her. And I thought that, Oh, this was also the nice thing that I didn't know about wonder woman is that they're so educated in Themyscira. They know every language. Yeah. So this woman's crying out so she can speak to her. And she says, you know, my village is under attack. They're enslaving the women and children um, and all this stuff. And they're killing everyone. And she's like, where's your village? And she points to the other side of the field, you know, and she's like, we have to help them. Like, she's like, they're, and she's explaining what they're doing. And, and finally, you know, he reaches his breaking point with her and he's like, you can't do it. He's like, this is called no man's land because no one can cross it. Like it's a hundred yards and they kill us every time we try to go up there. Like you can't do it. And eventually like, and, 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 and this could have been mishandled so much <laughs> I think because, because, you know, Jared of what you were saying, like the perceptions and probably the pressure too, because this is our first really big budget established title um solo 
female hero. So mm-hmm. there's a, probably a lot of pressure on DC, on Patty Jenkins, on Gal Gadot to not fumble this moment. Right. Um, and not have it come off as too on the nose, I guess, you know, there, it's already called no man's land. So you I get that sort of return of <laughs> vibe from it. If you guys know what I mean by that comment and, and, um, but she's just like, no, well, he's like, she's just done at that moment. She's like, no, I'm, I'm going to do something about it. And that scene is so good. Um, with her, her walking across the field and there, um, I remember, uh, I hope, I don't know if I wrote down the trivia for this or not. I hope I did, but, um, we'll see if I did. Um, well, you're looking Yeah, that was the yeah. one. I mean, I'd, I'd seen it earlier, but you, you said this earlier, Stephen, like I liked how, um, as a, you know, obviously first, you know, kind of big, you know, main female superhero, they didn't use that as an opportunity like they still retained the dignity of everybody. They didn't use it to like belittle other, you know, they didn't raise her up by belittling other people, like belittling men or right. whatever. And you, yeah, mm-hmm. you could totally could have seen her being like, no man's land. Well, you know, mm-hmm. arm, you know, I, I am, am man. no man. How dare you? You know, I don't know. You could, I, you could see all that. And I love how she was just, no, I just, this is what I have to do. And that, I don't know, which I feel kind of bad saying as a guy, because of course it's like, Hey, hey men can belittle you all we want, but you, <laughs> when it's your turn, you don't belittle, uh, you know, but, but in a way I think it's just a much more honorable, like, it's just, that's, it's such a better well, way of I doing it. That- <laughs> I think, well, yeah, yeah, like, I mean, you know, it is weird for us three men to be like, yeah, to, 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 to be like, to play the victim in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. But, but really, but, but Wonder Woman as a character, like, she's above that. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, you know, mm-hmm. Harley Quinn yep. would have emasculated somebody to, to go into <laughs> well, and, and well, but and, not Diana. Yeah. And, and, and I think of, you know, and, and obviously, to people who didn't know us or whatever, it, it would, it could come across sounding different ways, but it's honestly nothing to do with, with victimhood or anything. Yeah. It's just that, you know, if you care about movies and you care about stories that like the, the, the opposite example I can think of, uh, in a movie that I, it took a long time for me to ever watch it. And I've still never watched it all the way through um, is the most recent, um, X-Men dark Phoenix and, and Jennifer Lawrence has a line in there where I I can't, I I can't remember exactly how, how it goes or how the whole thing goes, but she's like, um, maybe we need to change it to X women because of all the times we're saving the men. And it's just like, ah, gosh, that is just so, cringe inducing groan worthy, you know? So, right. Yep. Yeah. I'm looking forward to Marvel getting their hands on the X-Men again, because, because there are some truly powerful, well, obviously we've already seen Wanda and WandaVision, you know, right. like how, um, ridiculously overpowered some of them. And if they do ever do circle back to Jean Grey, um, I think they can do a more justifiable, um, job with her. um, I cannot find it. Shoot. But basically there was a, um, initially behind the scenes of the shooting of the no man's land sequence. Apparently there was a little bit of a conflict between the filmmakers and the studio because 
imagine this, the studio did not seem to get it. Um, understand that she wasn't like, they didn't understand what she was doing on the sequence because they didn't say she was fighting back, you know? And so, um, the greatest, one of the greatest sequences in, in the film, maybe the greatest sequence in the film, um, you know, Diana gets up onto, onto the battlefield and she just starts taking all the fire, all the enemy fire. And it starts out with machine guns, then it becomes mortar shells. And she, all she's got is her little, uh, she's got these wrist, you know, bracelets or the, the gauntlets that are bulletproof. And so they're constantly deflating. And you've seen her use it like once or twice from like, a revolver or something, but now she's taking full on machine gun fire. And then she, you know, takes her shield out. And whenever a, um, uh, mortar shell comes, she like deflects it everywhere else. And I think what's so cool is that she is, uh, that I think is true to her character and, and also just sort of complimentary at least of, um, uh, Chris Pine's character too is that like they're they're all like what in the world is she doing and they're standing in awe and then Trevor recognizes one that she wants to get on the other side he knows what she what her goal is and so his his um his posture in that scene is both opportunistic and supportive. Like he knows what she wants to do so like his action is how can I help her. But also he's like, they're like, what's she doing? And he, and he says, he's like, she's taking all the fire. So it's her leadership and her diversionary tactics and her defending everyone that allows the entire army to advance on, on that land. And so, yeah, she does it. She does it basically all by herself for the most part, but she opens a window for everyone else to be successful in what they're doing. And, um, which is such a cool, like unifying moment. And it's, and also it's, it, I, I thought it was a really, um, great, great thing. And and I have, um, stalled long enough, everybody. I finally found the thing that I wanted to actually read. <laughs> um, the, but it's the no man's land sequence initially caused confusion for some people on the film's creative team. They thought it was meant to be an action sequence and didn't understand how it could work without Diana fighting a villain. Patty Jenkins insisted that the scene was a pivotal dramatic moment, underscoring Diana's self-affirmation and her resolution. Um, which, yeah, I mean, that, that, that scene shows you exactly like what she's capable of and what she's standing for. And I will say a real satisfying moment is once they actually get to the line, it's a real quick moment. She takes her shield and just like, cuts that machine gun in half like mm-hmm. the the uh the what kind of gun is it called i'm sorry but the um and it starts with an r shoot i don't remember but anyway this um she just totally cuts that one gun in half and then um they start you know they they overtake the german thing and then that is from the beginning of arriving on the scene and seeing the suffering everywhere and her just refusing to accept that the least of people, the most vulnerable people can't be helped in war and her commitment to crossing that, that yard. And then the real action movie action sequences start is when she gets into the village. And again, Snyder gets out Snydered her, (laughs) 
like her um her fight sequence is very kind of reminiscent of uh you know batman in the warehouse oh, a little yeah. bit um but actually i might mm, i might like hers better um because she she covers more ground and um i really like her lasso work too in the action sequence and stuff you know using that as a weapon and in the way, and then they kick in, you know, once she actually begins hand-to-hand combat fighting with someone, they kick in the Wonder Woman theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 you know, the emotional uh, peak of the score, you know, hits when they're on No Man's Land, and then, and then once she actually starts taking out soldiers one by one, it, it kicks into that that guitar riff, that Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL uh, theme, and and it's just, uh, it's awesome. And then, you know that, and that, and uh, goes all the way through. Um, and ends with her taking out this uh, sniper in a tower, and I think that whole that whole chunk of the movie is just just there's no no weak points in that for me. Um, mm-hmm. it, was, it was great stuff. Yeah, yeah agreed. Um, and that's worth watching, even if you don't watch the, um, even if you don't watch the movie if you've never seen it before. Go back and. Um, at least watch that sequence. It's worth it. Um, <clears throat> they, they continue to move on. Um, and I don't really know. I mean, it, it's not that it's bad or anything. There's nothing bad, but there are, um, um, you know, this is where the photograph, you know, that, that Bruce Wayne had uh, <laughs> found uh, originates from is after they saved that town mm-hmm. and stuff. And, um, you know, the, the story progresses and they get to the point where they want to, um, um, sorry, they, they, um, you know, start to move on the general and, um, and Dr. Dr. Poison, uh, we'll call her. Um, but there is a sort of, um, setback in that story where, you know, they, um, they, Diana and, um, and Steve Trevor, Chris Pine's character, um, eventually argue over this whole kill Ares plan. Like, like Tre- Steve Trevor can only really entertain that for for so long before he kind of calls it out as sounding ridiculous. And and also at the same time, he's trying to be protective of her because they infiltrate this big um, German party, and she just wants to do it right out in the open. <laughs> and he's like. Even if you're right, you can't do that. And obviously, she's you know she has this 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 endear, enduring faith in her plan that once she does it, everything will be okay. So you know whatever it doesn't matter. And he's just like, no, no, you can't do that. <laughs> so eventually, they 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 split up and go back their separate ways and for for a brief time. And um, she realizes that they have ordered a gas strike on the village that they just saved. And she goes back there and realizes she's too late and they're all dead. And like the, um, that is heavy. Like I was not expecting mm-hmm. that in a movie. You know, that's not something you normally get in right. a hero movie is that, you know, the moment after moments after you've rescued everyone that you lose them. Um, so I thought it was a pretty daring choice story wise. Um, but the, just the right amount of heaviness, I think, because again, we're still we're still building toward the sort of emotional conclusion of the film, um, whereas 
Steve and his guys have committed to try to take out this big factory that's producing all this gas. And that's their answer to, um, um, that's their answer to, to, um, winning the war. And so we get to love it or hate it. The, the last sequence of the film where they're at this airfield, I guess, in this factory and stuff. And, um, then you get to, uh, we should say that, that Diana is under the, under the impression the entire time that this general Ludendorff is really Aries in disguise. So, you know, she gives her, she gives him the whole Inigo Montoya speech, um, <laughs> and, and, and kills him. And I should, the one thing I didn't really understand, and I went, it's not a big enough of a criticism that I don't like the movie or anything, but he was taking some sort of weird gas drug that Dr. Poison had given him that was like giving him like almost, almost like, what did they call it in the boys, Jared? Velocity nine or something, or like it was like this temporary superpower kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it, it was sort of um gave him like super super strength or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you get the idea that like it's it's a red herring that that is somehow, you know, a revelation that he's really Aries in disguise. Well, she kills him. And then nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And so you get this um, this double swerve right at the end that um, it's really David Thewlis, uh, you know, uh, Harry Potter fans recognize as Remus Lupin, um, who has been disguised as Ares all along and who was someone who was um, – I, I didn't understand at first, but after – Second viewing, I will say, made more sense. He was actually a character in the movie who was fighting for peace all along. And he confesses to Diana once she realizes that he's Ares. It's like, well, you can't have ongoing war if everybody's dead. So (laughs) he's basically just like, you know, had to find ways to keep the peace so we could continue the war later on kind of stuff. Mm. Um, But I will say the movie... Just kind of de-evolve. I, I, I will want to circle back around because I'd like to end on a high note and talk about yeah. the emotional climax of the movie, which is, I think, really good. But um, but the fight, the the Ares Wonder Woman yeah. fight is, um, I don't know. It's it's just uh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's kind of like it's it's like that part of where like they they felt that pressure, like oh now you know like. That's the typical kind of third act of a superhero film. These two big, ba- you know, and it, I don't, yeah, and it just felt flashy and also like the the powers, like what was happening, wasn't like really defined. Like you didn't really know mm-hmm. what was going on and why yeah. when she did this, it, you know, like it was kind of hard to figure out what was going on and why it was affecting that. I don't know. Yeah, it was it was strange. <laughs> I feel so bad because I really like this movie. Yeah. I really do. And that fight was boring. Yeah. Like it, mm-hmm. it wasn't even as fun as a video game. Actually, it kind of, it kind of was like a video game, but like a, like a super Nintendo fighting game. Like, like they were, um, <clears throat> like your original mortal Kombat or street fighter kind of stuff. Like it seemed mm-hmm. like they were almost on this 2d plane <laughs> where they could only fight from left to right, like, and throw stuff at each other. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and when, 
not even, and I'm not even going to make a Marvel reference here <laughs> in, in this, in, in this very own movie, you had better mm-hmm. three, three dimensional fight sequences. Yeah. Every, every act of combat that happened on Themyscira, um, granted the crossing of no man's land was a left to right, a very linear thing, but, yeah. but, but, but the scene demanded that and that worked in its favor. But, but once she crosses the border there and then has the fight from then on, like all that stuff, way more compelling yep. than what she, even the fight she had with Ludendorff before Ares was, was at least a little bit more um, intense. Mm-hmm. And it was just this big CGI fest. Yeah. Like, and, like- and, all the, yeah. the random board that like she swung into a gas tank. I mean, it was like, it just, yeah. so there have to be these huge explosions and it just, mm-hmm. yeah, just, it, it yeah. all felt really forced and yeah. And it's almost as if, uh, listen, I know nothing about visual effects and film and, and, and when you put things somewhere to cover up for something else or anything like that. But it seemed like there was so much fire and smoke and stuff in that scene that they were trying to cover up some kind of deficiency on this. Like, mm-hmm. like they were trying to mask something because they couldn't fight out in the open. Um, or just in a clear shot for some reason. I don't know, but it was, um, it was disappointing. Um, the only part of the fight that I enjoyed was really sort of the emotional decision-making that Diane had to make. And it was when he tried to make, he tried to tempt Diana into killing Dr. Maru. Um, Because his rationale was very understandable and he didn't say anything about Dr. Maru that wasn't true. Um, And I think the, one of my favorite things about this movie is that it had the um, it had the bravery to suggest that maybe mankind's not as good as it thinks it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that and and he she uh, Diana and Steve get into this argument right at the end after she thinks she's killed Ares, but she hasn't, you know. And her worldview is is shattered for a moment, and she was just like, you know, she's convinced that. They're, they've all just been corrupted by Ares, and he's like, maybe. And I, I wish I could. I wish I'd written down exactly the verbiage, but, but Chris Pine's performance in back that is in that scene is so, so honest and so heartbreaking and sad, but also reflective. Like mm-hmm. it's like maybe it's it's not just them. Like maybe it's us too. Like maybe we are, and maybe we don't. And she and and she's and and. uh and for a moment, I, I think Diana even questions whether people deserve to be saved or, or whether, you know, the, the or at least the bad guys, at least and she's like, and he's just like, maybe we don't. And he's like, you know, but, but it's not about, and he says, it's not about what you deserve. It's about what you believe. And, you know, that is a ambiguous platitude, but <laughs> such it, such is superhero movies. Um, because, you know, <clears throat> universal appeal. Right. Um, but anyway, um, for what that means to me though, I mean, I think that's, um, it's a very helpful and very bold lesson to try to give in a movie like this, um, is that you have to choose 
you know, it, it's, it's, it's a truck. It's, it's no simple dismissive act to choose mercy for someone who doesn't deserve it. Um, but if you're going to choose love or choose grace for someone that that means offering it to someone who doesn't, who one doesn't deserve it and two may not ever be worthy of it yeah. either. Um, and so I think that was the real beauty in that final fight with Aries is where she spits that line back to Aries, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, he thinks that she's going to kill Dr. Poison and, and in a lesser movie in a movie that was made 10 years earlier, she would have killed her because it's a villain who needs to be punished. Right. Like she was the reason all those innocent people in that village were killed. Right. And, and, um, but she says, you know, it's not about what you deserve. It's about what you believe. And I, and, and she's like, you know, and I choose to believe in love instead, you know? Um, and, uh, that <laughs> again is like, why couldn't Clark have said something like that to Zod, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe not those exact words, you know, um, cause that wouldn't necessarily have befit him, but that's a very much, a, a good response to the, you know, where did you grow up on a farm kind of thing, you know, and, 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 you know, these people, you know, these people don't love you or whatever, you know, and, 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 uh, it's, it's weird. It's like, it's like, uh, the world that has been built in wonder woman is almost like the world of Batman versus Superman and the world of man of steel, not loving Diana or not appreciating what she's doing for them. And, and, uh, you have a better hero here saying, well, there's, you know, in effect, there's a reason why I'm better than them. And that's because I can choose to love them anyway. Um, and, and loving someone even when they're committed to being your enemy or committed to committed to habits and decisions that are never going to be worthy of your love um, is uh, is a strong thing. And so I think that is, uh, you know, that this movie <laughs> in places toward the end kind of limps toward that greatness. But uh, but I think it does get there. Um, and then, you know, the, the visual the visual ending of the fight and stuff is. Yeah. It's more of the same, more so of the same, but I have interesting news. And I, 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 I only, this came up last minute as you were talking, but I remember back when, uh, when, when 1984 came out, there was some news that I just forgot about until now, but apparently, you know, during the interviews for the sequel, uh, Patty Jenkins was kind of sharing oh, yeah. and being really oh, yeah. open, like surprisingly, very kind of like honest about some things, you know, her relationship with the with Warner brothers and stuff. Anyway, so uh-huh. she told, she, in some interviews said that they forced her to, to do that ending. Like she had something a lot, she didn't say what the ending was going to be otherwise, but she said it would be a lot smaller scale, a lot more pared down, but they kind of mm-hmm. made her do this huge VFX, you know, intense thing. So, um, which she said the second time around, they let her do it her way, which she mm-hmm. was glad about. But, um, so that kind of, and it kind of makes sense. I feel like, yeah, there, you know, I feel like every super, you know, I could see them being like, Hey, this is, this is what a superhero movie has to have a big last, you know, thing. Do it. (laughs) So it's amazing. They didn't have a sky beam. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and like the thing is, I'm just sitting there thinking, you know, neither one of those endings particularly worked for me. So that's, yeah, (laughs) I, I don't know. Like I almost wonder if, 
there i guess there would have been no no real way to do this at the time but yeah just like her original ending was basically the wonder woman 2 ending where she just like she lassos aries and like forces (laughs) him forces him to admit to everyone that he's been doing i don't know right (laughs) well it's kind of yeah i was um i don't know i was just disappointed in like how well how well all the other action sequences were that they were so distant from each other you know like well, we're yeah. going to fly at each other. We're going to throw yeah. big things at each other. You know, like I would have, I would have been interested to see them try to do some kind of hand to hand combat scene or something, mm-hmm. um, that could have reflected the training scene that I mm-hmm. gave her in the beginning where like she had good, you know, she had these good instincts, but you know, she would always yell at her. You expect that the fight is going to be fair and it's not, you know, and you know, she could get tripped up by him, you know, pulling some cheap stunt or something, but I don't know. Um, nevertheless, it's still a positive for me, uh, as a movie. Um, you know, it was the first female centric superhero movie we had gotten since Electra. Um, in 2005 so come a very long way (laughs) um from that um yeah so um yeah but that's for for the most part um there's that that's about all we've got on things Uh, any any um wrap-up talks on on wonder woman for either of you any anything we we haven't really gotten to dig into yet in terms of the film um, I mean, I, I like, you know, I, I think it actually makes a lot of sense for the, for the story of setting up the fact that her first experiences were losing Steve, you know, the only, the only person that she had really gotten close to in the outside world and then losing all of the people effectively that she first saved right. and losing that town. And so then it makes sense for what they were originally plotting for the storyline for the DC EU mm-hmm. that she had just stepped away from the world for right. a century. And yeah. then except in 1984, except in then when we, you know, take 1984 <laughs> and that erases all of that. Um, but originally, <laughs> you know, if you pretend that that movie doesn't exist or isn't canon or whatever, um, then, you wow, know, that, yeah that makes a lot of sense. That's, um, that, that you, you get out in the world and immediately you're just, you're crushed. You, you, um, so I, I like that. Uh, you know, I, I thought those were good choices and, and made a lot of sense, um, for what they were originally aiming to do. Well, I'm just looking at the quotes because I was trying to remember, you know, you know how like every superhero movie, I'm thinking especially about the Spider-Man movies. So like, who am I? I'm Spider-Man. You know, the thing at the <laughs> end when they're jumping into the air, she has one of those little monologues too. I'm trying to remember what she said at the end of that, but I came across the thing that she said to uh, Aries at the end where he just says, she, she says, they're everything you say they are, but they're capable. Um, mm-hmm. Um, so the, um, let's see, I'm trying to find, see if, if what she's got here. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't see it, but you know, you know, she's like, yeah, she chooses to believe in love, and 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 I like. Okay, here's the last, here's here's the the final lines. I found it, and this is my first time reading it since hearing it in the movie, so I don't remember what it is. <laughs> so we'll see if my thesis holds um, to what Jared just said. I used to want to save the world, to end war and bring peace to mankind, but then I glimpsed the darkness that lives within their light. I learned that inside every one of them, there will always be both. The choice each must make for themselves, something no hero will ever defeat. I've touched the darkness that lives in, the, in between the light, seen the worst of this world and the best, seen the terrible things men do to each other in the name of hatred and the lengths that they'll go to for love. Now I know only love can save this world, so I stay, I fight, and I give. For the world I know can be. This is my mission now, forever. So does that sound like somebody who's going to hide for 100 years? Oh, right. <laughs> That's the thing. And, and listen, I don't mind. I, I really, I mean, like, I, I don't mind like your take on that. Like, like that would make sense if they stuck to that. This goes back to the Batman versus Superman conversation of like, they not really paying attention to the narrative of the right. overall universe. Like either she's someone who's in hiding or she's someone who's not. And, and I will say everything about her character seems like the kind of person who, 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 what she says right there. Is it like, mm-hmm. I'm right. going to continue to fight, but you have the problem of if you're going to introduce her in 2016, how does the world not know about her already? Mm-hmm. You know? And so, you know, they're starting, I think it, it goes all the way back to that thesis of we're going to, we're just going to cram everybody into one movie and then spin them off into, mm-hmm. into their introductory stories, which is just problematic in situations like this where, where, she, you know, she, it, it, I think it's, it's, it's great to put her in that situation like that, that idea where she sees the complexities of mankind and stuff. And that could, that could push her into hiding. But the very choice she makes that helps her defeat Ares is one that would have her be out in the open. Or at least keep being active, I should say. Um, and maybe, you know, that I don't know. I just didn't get the I didn't get the notion that for the next hundred years she's gonna be, you know, fighting crime like a ninja or something yeah. where no one's going to know who she is. So I don't yeah. know. It's, it's a little bit of a nitpick. Um, and, and let me say again, I think and this is by far, uh, this was the, at least at the time I'd have to revisit, but I think it still holds the only DC film uh, from the DCEU that has over 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and, and it's, and earns it. I mean, I think it's, I think it's, yeah. uh, it's definitely the best film that it offers right now. Um, with, you know, the others that are still yet to come. Um, and it's still on, on the whole, a good film and I, I'll, I'll watch it again one day, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, so I just a little bit of <laughs> not sure how, you know, her narrative weaves very well from her own franchise into the other places where she shows up, which is the thing that makes team ups so special is, knowing how a character operates in their own world and being able to anticipate how they might interact with someone else's world. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> Tim, any, any, uh, additional thoughts on I th- wonder woman? I think we well? hit most of it, but, uh, yeah, I, I just, you know, was really impressed with the way, and I, I feel like 
the other DC didn't. Maybe Man of Steel kind of maybe came close, but the way they just handled really complex and uh, difficult ideas and with a large amount of grace and just really, um, there was another word I had for it, but just really a graceful film in the sense of like, um, you really got to know who she was. You got to know the characters and um, it all kind of, it all kind of um, worked together to kind of help kind of determine this, you know, the, what ended up, you know, being the termination and about the, the whole, are people worth saving argument? I just feel like it, it did so much working towards that, that the other movies just haven't been able to really pull off quite, you know, pull off as well. Um, yeah. And you really care about even the, the side characters that you kind of meet halfway through the film. You don't really know them that well. You still care about them. They still, they're they're They have enough character. The story does enough of a job to where you even care about these kind of random side characters. I, I, I just thought, yeah, I just I, overall, I just really, it was just a breath of fresh air in the whole DC everything. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's a bright spot. I mean, it certainly, yeah. cer- I think it, <clears throat> I think it does more to have, have more brightness than darkness than man of steel does. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly tells a more understandable story mm-hmm. than Batman v Superman does, you know, and it, um, yeah. fits really well in its own little world. Um, um, for sure. So, yeah. um, yeah, so it's definitely worth checking out. That's on HBO max, uh, everybody. Um, and I guess that wraps it up for Diana princess of wonder, um, this week. Um, <clears throat> we, we are going to do the, uh, heavy preparation for the, the big <laughs> sit of Zack Snyder's justice league. I'm just saying, man, give us a Jenkins cut. I, I I'd rather see, um, her take on Justice League <laughs> than, than Snyder at this point um, yeah. with what she did with this film. Uh, even with even with 84, I mean, like, uh, comparatively speaking. Um, but nevertheless, next week we should be back with um, with the Snyder cut and for, for better or worse. And uh, we'll see what there is to share. I think I think what we'll <laughs> probably do for, you know, that you can consider this a holistic Justice League review next week. Um, because I still have a little bit of the original cut in my head. Um, so if, if there's something to criticize there, I'll probably just throw that in on top too. It's just going to be a big bonfire of, of reaction. Um, we're just going to keep throwing, throwing logs on for however long it takes us. So, uh, prepare yourselves, plan a long drive. If you're going to listen to night cheese next week and I will be back with the Snyder cut. All right, guys, thanks for joining us uh, for this week's episode. Uh, Go check out Wonder Woman. It is worth your time for sure. And until next time, keep working on your night cheese. I think Gal Gadot was in one of the Fast and Furious movies as the, the beautiful woman who gets into a fight. By the end of the movie, I'm well, sorry, you're you're, you're going to have to be more specific than that <laughs> when you're talking about Fast and Furious movies, right? <laughs>